0: Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Curva Mundial. I am your host, Sal Bono, and today I am joined by the singer of one of Britain's biggest buzz bands, Crosswires. Please welcome to the show, West Ham supporter, Joff Chapman. Hello, Joff. Thanks for coming on. Hello. Hey you Um, My pleasure to come on. (laughs) super excited to have you on uh the band has taken off bbc is uh bbc radio x has been listening um which is great so your live shows are getting rave reviews so there's a lot to unpack but this being a football podcast let's go right into the fun part first Uh, we're speaking to you at a time when west ham are trickling at uh relegation there um they're in the lower bottom of the ta- lower mid bottom of the table. By the time this episode airs, things hopefully will change. But what on earth is going on and how did this happen?
1: Uh, this isn't uh, new this season, this has been happening since uh, probably last January. Um, it was a slow decline. We'd we haven't won hardly any league games in that time, but really, the Europa League run to semi final, papered over a a huge amount of cracks and Moises was sort of getting away with a lot of the bad performances because people were saying, but he got you to the Europa League semi-final, you know, you, right. you must love him and, and of course, you know, I do love him, but um, yeah, I, I feel that it, we spent a lot of money in the summer, you know, uh, won a, m- most in the league and we've gone backwards mm-hmm. and the problems which needed addressing for me, which was... Uh, Left-back and right-back weren't really addressed. He got in Emerson from Chelsea and don't play him over Cresswell. And it's like, you know, was he just a throwaway player at Chelsea? Is he, you know, really going to improve us? Uh, um, Yeah, so lots of problems around that.
0: Well, with Emerson, he's an interesting player because, you know, he's part of the Italian national team where at one point he was Mm -hmm. – and, yeah, he is kind of that throwaway player. So I was kind of shocked that if West Ham was going to rebuild, they were going to use him. But yeah. there was another Italian that you had signed over the summer, which uh, promising young uh, striker, Gianluca Scamacca from Sassuolo. Uh, when he plays, he seems to contribute goals. But that is when he plays. Um, yeah. David Moyes has had issues fielding him every match. Is that symbolic of Moyes' tenure as a manager so far, that you have the talent, the right firepower, but it's not going – it's not consistent?
1: Yeah, that's – for him, I feel a little bit sorry for him. He obviously scored goals in the Europa Conference League. And um, he was sick. He got he got a virus and he had a bit of a knock. And then he's he sort of been in and out of the team. And he's found it hard to get rhythm, and we're not playing to his strengths. Although he's big and strong and tall, putting the ball in the air to him doesn't really seem like he's going to... No-one's playing close enough to him. Uh, he's not... For me, he needs to ball his feet. He's a link-up player, more... You know, he can turn his shoot, see his goal at Leeds in the week. You know, he's a great finisher. You know, he ain't going to play like Antonio does. He's not a bulldozer. He's not going to run the channels. You can't, you know antonio can't play like antonio does at the moment right you know, i feel that that time just maybe caught up with him and that's not to slight like him i absolutely love him but you know he's playing the way antonio plays is yeah you can't play that way forever can you
0: <laughs> you know we've talked about the trials and tribulations of the current version of west ham but how did your fandom of the hammers come about
1: mm. uh so my older brother supported supports West Ham. He's seven, six, seven years older than me. And uh he was always, you know, going to watch West Ham. He had West Ham kits and stuff. And I had West Ham kits, but I weren't really that fussed about football. I was like, you know, sort 10. Of nine, ten. I you know, I said I support West Ham, but I didn't really, you know, I weren't really in, that interested. And then my uncle uh took me, my dad's brother took me to a to a game. Uh, My first game was actually at White Hart Lane, but it wasn't, it was watching West Ham play. (laughs) I (laughs) tried, there's no Spurs connection. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and West Ham lost, but that was my first game. And that was, that's kind of how it all kicks off. Once I've been to a game, yeah, it sort of changed. So even though you
0: were in the away section or with the away supporters, and I know it's all London, so it's all, you know, it's all connected here, but you still felt that, this was
1: home. This is my club. This is yeah. My... Wow! I just love the singing. I just loved like it was non-stop singing, and it was like just exciting, you know. Yeah, it was exciting for me to go, and uh, you know, my uncle taking me. So that felt really special to me. Uh, um,
0: That's awesome. Yeah, so... That's beautiful, man. You know, what does it mean to be a West
1: Ham fan? Uh Disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> Continual disappointment. With uh, occasionally uh, a, a little glimmer that you might win something, you very don't. But you might win something, like last season in the Europa League, uh, um, the FA Cup final, when we were seconds from winning it until Lionel Scaloni decided to give the ball back to Liverpool and they, the Gerrard equaliser. You know, only West Ham could lose a game with seconds to go like that. At them. <laughs>
0: Um, I apologize on that. That is that is. It's got to be something so devastating and so difficult all the time to continue to support a team that just has a history, has the fandom, but just can't get over their own, can't get out of their own way. Yeah. What for you? What is it that they need? Even though, like, again, such a historic team, but the silverware is lacking and of course there's a plethora of london clubs that you know anybody could go oh well west ham aren't doing well eh, chelsea are doing fine this you know you've fair weather fans that switch all the time but in an era when especially when premier league has been branded as the best league in the world currently yeah. and every english team wants to be a Manchester United in terms of branding or an arsenal in terms of branding and be big and be relevant and in the lexicon of these super huge teams that are more of a lifestyle than they are clubs. West Ham is obviously a, a historic team, as we as I keep saying, but they're they're smaller in comparison to the size of the fandom. So for you, like what is that? You know, what's that like and
1: what do they need in order to just fucking just get over this hump here? Oh, uh, it's, uh, f- you know, we've got a new stadium and that's well documented, like, you know, what West Ham f- fans think of, uh, of the stadium and its problems, although it holds like, you know, 62,000 going up to 66 soon. Wow. Um, you know, the, 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 the fan base is there. It goes throughout London into Essex, uh, into Kent. Uh, you know, he's is a uh, he's a big club, but it doesn't win anything, as obviously we just just discussed. But um, I think we tried to rebrand ourselves since the move from uh, Upton Park. Whether we're going to be able to spend the money to break into that, you know, next next level, as which we were promised, we'd get that that special next level, which Sullivan said we'd get to when we got to the stadium. We've I mean, we did spend in the money, but you've got to spend season on season, window after <laughs> window. You've got to spend, you know, 100 million, 150 million plus a window, it, it, you know, to, to even get anywhere near close to it and whether we'll ever do that. You know, I suppose are finding that at the minute, you know, their fans are moaning. Conte's got them into Champions League. They're not, they spent 200 million since he's been there. Is it enough? They need window after window after window. Um, and they can't get, They've been in the Champions League final. They can't get close to it. So it's incredibly difficult. Yeah.
0: You know? wow. Unless you yeah, get a freak but...
1: season like Leicester. I mean, let's face it. They don't come about that often.
0: Now, I, I've talked about this ad nauseum. That obviously that was such a magical season and a magical moment. And you're right. It doesn't come often. But when it comes, I feel like there's a moment where even if you are a Chelsea fan or United fan or City fan or whoever, you just put it aside and Mm. let, yes, let David take down these Goliaths, even my own Goliath. Was that like that even for you? And did that also give you a belief that Hammers can do this? Let's go like.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that season, we also had a really good, good season. It was our last season at the bowling. Uh, Dimitri Payet was uh, absolutely on fire for West Ham that season. Yeah. Uh he, he was playing like one of the best players in Europe. And you see that in that European Championship in that summer. And obviously, we know how that ended with Pike, But watching that season, he was like, you know, unbelievable. Uh, he raised the level of everyone else around him. Mark Noble's best ever season, really. Uh, Antonio played very well. Lanzini. And you see, he made those players better. And we, you know, we finished, you know, uh, towards a sort of in the top seven, eight that season. Uh, and it could have been more. It, I think if Pyatt would have not got injured that period around the sort of, I think he must have got injured, his Everton game, and it's sort of over Christmas into January or whatever. And, uh, yeah, we missed him for a bit. And we got a lot of draws. We couldn't win games. And I think, you know, we only missed out on the top four, but I think sound like four or five points in the end. So, um, we were close that season, you know. Like we, There weren't that much between us and Leicester. In fact... We'd been offered um Kante in the summer of that season, but we turned him down. Oh. So I wonder if him and Pike together, I wonder if we would have maybe got close to it. I don't know. It's it was uh, but I, I was I was pleased to see them win it. I mean it's fantastic. Right. And it gives you that, you know, that that belief that maybe it could it could happen, you know. But um we we've been there or thereabouts a couple of times in the last decade uh, in terms of only outside the Champions League by four or five points. Um, I think getting in that would maybe change everything oh, for us, you know. And we were, you know, very close to getting to Europa League final. Mate, that winning that would have got us in it. So you know, it's, <laughs> it seemed like an impossible dream to me at one point. But the last couple of seasons have made it. Well, maybe, maybe at some point we could get into the Champions League. Right, uh, I never even thought I'd ever that. <laughs> right, it's
0: always as close but no cigar scenario.
1: Yeah.
0: it's and it's oh man, it's. I mean, it's frustrating for me just even just that, like talking yeah. about it. And I've got no connection here, so I can only imagine like the anger and just like this is this is terrible <laughs> how for you, like how it is for you. But again, it shows the loyalty of these fans, and it shows the passion and just how special the fans really are. Like you oh, are absolutely. the 12th man and it's just, it, it's uh, it's it's something that what makes this game so special, these lovable losers here yep. still turn out 66,000 people in a stadium. Yep. Like,
1: come on. It was, I think last season when we uh, played uh, against Sevilla in uh, the U- Europa League, that was probably the or one of the best atmospheres I've ever experienced. And I include games at, at the bowling. You know, it's, uh, it well, that was, that was unbelievable. The sound, when the first Thomas, when Thomas Suchek, the first goal, when that went in, ah, that was, that was the definition of limbs, I've got to say. <laughs> it really was. I come out the game afterwards and, uh, my nephew was uh, asking me to pinch him because he felt like he was dreaming. So, so oh, it's a really special, you. really special moment. So we had, don't have many of those, you know.
0: So you took your nephew to that game. Was that his first game?
1: No, and- no. My nephew's oh. uh, he's old. He, he's old. He's, he's 21. Oh, he's, yeah. Um, yeah, he's been in many, many games. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, he, I, I, he he was, he, I wasn't sitting with him that game. I sit with him quite often, but I was, they was sitting, my brother and him were sitting together and they, yeah, we met afterwards. It was a great. We was all jumping around outside. It was fantastic.
0: See, that's the beauty of this all is, is, that your uncle took you to your first match and made you fall in love and uh, f- with your brother's team, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And now here you are, full circle moment as an uncle with your brother taking your nephew, yeah. his son. Um, assuming it's the same brother. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 and it's, yeah. you know, it's it's so it's a bloodline now, and that's and that. And it's a generational thing. And, um, you know, your, your nephew is 21, so he's already known a lifetime of disappointment. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, <laughs> I know, um, You know, look, Vince really loves company. But, you know, it is. But that's what also makes this game so special and what makes these teams, like more so than the bigger clubs, obviously. And I don't mean in terms of big. I, I, and I hate using the word brand, but uh, yeah, essentially I like that. that's what it is these days, you know. Um, This is no disrespect to City and Spurs, but it's, it's a lot of new money there uh, mm-hmm. versus, you know, a legacy like a West Ham or even a Crystal Palace, you know, clubs that have been clawing or Leicester, as we just discussed, clawing for just that seat at the table, getting there and then just trying to like hit the summit. And those and this generation of people that just continues one after the other, you know, because your nephew easily could have been like, I'm in London. Arsenal's yeah. doing- 21. Arsenal's doing great. The Invincibles, Thierry Henry. Like he could have easily
1: picked any other
0: club. Nope. Going with dad's team, going with uncle Joff's team.
1: Yeah. I don't <laughs> think he really had a choice. He's his granddad's a West Ham fan. He's like, yeah, yeah. He, he, I think he, uh, he, he might've thought about it, but he just definitely weren't going to be allowed to do it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's also that too. There's also that, you know.
1: Yeah, um, I think he's a uh, yeah. He loves he absolutely loves it. So yeah, that's
0: great. You know, West Ham has always seemed to be at least on the outside, at least mm. uh, a team of working class Londoners. East London, absolutely. East London has gone through heavy gentrification in the last decade or so. Are West Ham still a symbol of the working class fan? Uh, yeah,
1: I think. You know, our majority fan base is is working class, working class roots. I still believe that. Uh, um, Obviously, a lot of our fan base has moved out of East London into uh, suburbs and into Essex. We have a a, a huge amount of support out through there. Mm. Um, So it's a little different, maybe now than it was, you know, back in the sixties and seventies. But yes, it's it's still definitely, still definitely a, a, a. a majority working-class or working-class roots right. fan, by, without a doubt. Um, you know, I don't think you... Uh, it's, I don't think it's the same as people who sort of, like, just adopt a club, you know, Chelsea fans and stuff right. like that. I, mean, this is,
0: You know? Because there seems to be, like, this immediate... Fraternity sorority among West Ham fans because of those working class roots and you find that in other working class teams where teams from working class towns, uh, Sunderland, for instance, Mm -hmm. um, where brothers and sisters in arms where I'm having a shit week at, at whatever job I'm doing. yeah. But this team is what's going to be the highlight, or fucking make that shit week even worse. Yeah. But you know, but again, like there's this camaraderie there, this understanding that these strangers already know everything about each other because it's from the same universe. So do, is that
1: still part of that? Yeah, definitely. I feel, I feel that when you meet meet uh, fans after the game and stuff, you still it's, it's still here. You know, it is very, it's very much very much gallows sort of human. It still goes on at West Ham, and I saw it. You know. But then, I mean, it is tough being a West Ham fan, but then I think about some of the clubs in the bottom leagues, you know, people who support clubs that have maybe even gone out of existence, uh, like clubs like Berry and, you know, clubs like that, who, like, you know, their whole identity has been taken away. They've been supporting that club for years and, you know, ruined by bad owners or, like, I don't know, clubs like Oldham and things like that. So, sometimes I feel like, well, you know, West Ham has changed massively, obviously, from the, when I started supporting them even. But uh still still my club and you know getting to Europa league semi-finals and things like that you think like can you moan when some people don't even have their club anymore i've seen right. you know I, I, you know i think in the premier league we kind of forget sometimes we think it's a be all one end all when it's like brilliant supported clubs and they are all their community um which you know are teetering on the brink or have gone yeah right. so, that's a great point that's a great you know
0: it's a great way to look at it too. And I think that's it's it's symbolic throughout all of club football. I mean, they're even, you know, being someone that watches Italian soccer, and we've seen I've seen it in a lot of the Sicilian teams mm. in Sicily, like Messina, which is my grandmother's team, doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So it's now splintered off into like two other like smaller factions. It's like two clubs now. Um, but her team, her club that she's watched since she was a little girl uh doesn't doesn't exist ceases to exist which is just kind of like uh this bizarre thing that we take for granted i mean in palermo which is where my dad is from and he doesn't really follow club soccer everybody's like a juventus fan so it's sort of just you know me i'm the outlier ac milan fan um but uh my dad's from palermo was almost fell into that too and almost like didn't become a club and this was a team that was producing members for the national team plays for the national team uh they were in champions league
1: not too long we ago played,
0: we played them in. The, yeah, uh, right. cup.
1: yeah uh, cup. i think it was Tevez and mascarano's debut
0: that's right okay <laughs> yeah. yeah that made yeah that yeah. makes sense yeah yeah it was yeah.
1: about that yeah
0: about that time um so yeah i mean like so you know i've seen it go all across italy and it's like wow you know this could be devastating and you don't and sometimes i'm happy that you brought up that this does happen in in england because again the narrative is constantly like well it's the league with the most money and it's the best well organized league and all this and all this other stuff and and look for all its faults it is but these things still happen bankruptcy still happens clubs disappear you know and those fans just don't know where to go um so it is it is there is a reality check here and i'm happy that thank you for bringing that up um you know when west ham when i was growing up and you and i are not that far apart in age west ham was synonymous at one point with the skinhead culture
1: in the uk Mm. is it still like that no i i I think that we you know a a lot of english football problems with uh, sort of the nf and stuff trying to infiltrate them right you know back 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 in the day i think I mean, there's always, obviously, you can't say there wasn't racism in, uh, in all clubs because there almost definitely was. Mm-hmm. But I think it was resisted a little bit at West Ham and sort of pushed out. Uh, obviously, people like Cass Pennant and stuff involved in the the ICF, we kind of, I don't think it took hold like it did maybe with like Chelsea Headhunters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we, obviously, we had, you know, uh, a lot of the first sort of black players playing uh, mm-hmm. for West Ham and stuff like that. So I don't think it gripped us Look, there almost definitely was an element, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it uh, was like the way it was at Millwall or or, or Chelsea. Mm -hmm. And to say it didn't exist, it would be um, ridiculous. Because I'm sure, you know, football, especially at that time, was overwhelmingly working class, overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly male. So it would have been, there'd have been a bit of it at every club, pretty much, I would say. But yeah, I don't think it gripped us. I think it was rejected uh, quite a bit uh, at West Ham that time. Mm -hmm. But
0: yeah, it's interesting because like the there are images that like constantly show up of like seeing that, especially from that era and being in America. You know, especially in the late '80s, early '90s, it was sort of just like, oh well, uh, you know, West Ham has got this like skinhead element to it, which you know, definitely a hooligan
1: element. Yeah, definitely a hooligan element. Um, we've added that like the ICF obviously was notorious and if you ever watch like Green Street or any sort yeah. of football hooligan film it'll always use, usually focus on West Ham and Millwall and their rivalry and you know it obviously gets hammed up a lot you know like oh god blimey i going to go down the footy for a ruck like, but you know and it's <laughs> it becomes quite ludicrous but obviously it, it was a big thing and um, you know that that People were, you know, their whole entire identity was tied to the football club and being part of, of the like that kind of like mm. getting on the train, going to away games, having a fight. You know, I think that was like, you think of what England was like then. I mean, it was it was a mess and a lot of time it was for young men. It was their only sort of way to get the kind of anger out, I'm not by like, sort of defending it, but I can understand how that would become kind of almost romantic and you get dragged into it yeah
0: for sure there is an intoxicating thing to it and i agree with you like i'm not condoning by any means and i don't agree with it but there is sort of like oh i get it in a weird way um another thing too that is quite interesting is is that west ham is like the team of punk rockers and i don't Mm. know what it like new york hardcore here in the city what it is like every new york hardcore band a lot of them like west ham tattoos and it or logo or something yeah like that connects and i'm like what the fuck like it's so like to me i love it because it's just so like oh it's bridging worlds that i love and appreciate but there's a confusing element here so like can you explain that like what is it about like you know Um, punk rockers that just
1: love west ham yeah i think for me i think that we've had like you know kind of, we've had a lot of those kind of players who you know you could sell like, as a punk punk player like you know like decanio canio or yeah. you know i mean those kind of julian dicks and um why is that those kind of you know players who sort of play on the edge you know right. i think that they maybe, maybe something something to do with that uh, uh and also that you know just the, the the way the the clubs kind of is perceived by people from outside of england okay yeah i mean they they do see it as a bit of a you know maybe not, yeah, maybe a rough kind of club. Maybe it isn't so, like, shiny as like Arsenal or, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's got a bit of a, I think people maybe see it as that that, that, that little bit. You know, maybe that's that's changed slightly over the years, but uh, especially when he was playing, you know, uh, uh, the bowling and it was, you know, close to the pitch and that kind of, you know, teams would come there, it was so noisy, teams weren't going to play us there. Maybe it's something to do with that. It's different now. You come to London Stadium and it's all like, you know, new and, and you know, popcorn and, yeah, you know, yeah. it is what it is, but we ain't going back, so.
0: <laughs> all right. You, look, but it leads me into my next question here,
1: um, which
0: is take me through what it's like going through London Stadium. As we discussed earlier, win or lose or draw, the electricity – Is turned on because of who's in that arena but what is your day like does your when you get a ticket to a match is your entire day just that's the focal point like i i got ready i go to the pub for a few hours you know make sure like i've got a specific kit like walk me through what joff chapman does a day (laughs) of heading to london
1: stadium yeah well i am it's so i've got a season to get with my my friend and um we always meet in the, the pub called Lord Napier, which is in Hackney, which is like a 10 minute walk to London Stadium. So we meet in there usually a couple of hours before kickoff, have a few beers, get to the ground. I'll then meet my brother and my nephew, and uh, at the same bar inside the ground that we always meet, at, agree to meet at, we have a couple of drinks. We chat about what mistakes Moyes has made with the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> and then we uh, watch the game. And then we always meet at the. There's a big bell outside the um, outside the ground. We always meet outside there, and then we go back back to the maybe have a couple more beers, and yeah, that's that, talk about why we lost <laughs> at a <the> minute. <sighs> that sounds like a
0: great day, though. I mean, yeah, despite yeah. it all. But again, it's it. There's a camaraderie element to it. There's this. There's this. Um. uh scheduled thing that like you know this routine of like what what's going to go on and that's kind of like but it still makes you excited it still gets you going
1: yeah i love you know i love going It, it is very different it is very different in the london stadium but um you know it's more about the connection i have with you know when i see my family when i see my friends i've got friends who sit all over the place in the stadium you know all right I I just don't think I'd I'd ever be able to give it it up. I I don't think it'll ever stop. Even if we, you know, were in the bottom leagues. Uh, I don't. I, I think I'd, You know. In fact, some of my best seasons watching West Ham have been in the Championship or the old Division Two. I beat. Yeah. The shirt I've got on at the minute is the uh, <laughs> the 1992-93 um, uh, promotion. Sure. We, when we got promoted for our first season back to the Premier League, or well, our first season in the Premier League. The Premier League going obviously as it is, and right. I know, it existed for me before. But, um, yeah, so those seasons, I, I went home and away everywhere that year, and that's uh, like you know that was really I was I was at school, and that was a really special season for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but, for sure. Oh, I love it. I love it. I was actually going to ask about the the vintage yeah. jersey. <laughs> Thank you so much ditch rather uh there's the cultural difference here Um, uh, we're going to switch gears for a minute we're going to discuss crosswires the band is gearing up for new music in 2023 and have been a buzz band in the country as the covid lockdown has eased what is the music lo- scene like in london now and the rest of england as restrictions have gone away and as we slowly figure out what the world's gonna be like, you know, we're living with this disease. But what's that like for you? As like fans get to come
1: back and you get to play live music now, it's it's amazing getting back out there and playing again. I mean, that was something that you you, you miss so much. Uh, COVID was weird for us, especially because we'd released the first album at right. the very end of 2019. Uh, A Life Extinct was our debut full length album. We released that in the 2019 and then um, we barely got to play and then COVID COVID happened. So we released this record and then couldn't get out and sort of support it. So then we spent the next two years of COVID writing the next one via a garage band. I'd come up, we wrote very differently. The first album was written in a room through long jams, the four of us. And uh, this album was very much from I become really frustrated and I, mm. I i kind of cobbled these kind of i don't really play any instruments so i, I use like a program drums and like little, uh easy to use synth for on, on garage band kind of picked out these kind of songs and, and built these ideas up of what i thought you know they, they could be like and then i'd send them to the the others mm. and they could um you know actual musicians turn them into songs but we <laughs> two years we you know we had to write this way and it's it made uh, this album very different because different starting points, whereas right. it wouldn't be like we focus on you know, Ian, our drummer to come up with a drum part or a guitarist Pete to come up with a guitar part. I'll oh, what you got, you know? Uh, so now we have these chords to start with and we kind of built from there. So it, this album is very different from, from the first one. And also in the time we had COVID, uh, uh, original bass player, Pete Lech left. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, Matt Lazard come in and play bass on on this album, so it's very, very, very different. He's got a very different style, um, m- maybe more melodic, not so direct as Pete Pete was. Maybe more punk in his playing, okay. uh, where Matt's a little bit more kind of, I wouldn't say looser, but yeah, he, he, he's yeah, he, he plays it more like a lead instrument. Like almost, like a, yeah. almost like a peter yeah. hook did for yeah, yeah. so that's yeah that's been like it's really sounds different there's lots of different textures on this record so you know not being able to play live helped make the record oh okay. um, but um you know getting back out there and playing was was amazing our first gig uh, after like post-covid was at a place called Ramsgate music hall in, uh, Ramsgate and Kent, And, uh, it was Matt's first gig with a band and we supported the band life. If yeah. you've not heard them, check them, check them out. They're a great, great band. And, uh, it was just amazing. We played so well. And I think we weren't, there wasn't many people in the venue who knew us. So we just played with a load of freedom and, uh, just excited to be back on the stage. For sure. So, uh, that was a great way to get back into it. And, uh, We've played some really great gigs since then. It's been brilliant. I, I've loved it. I don't think, don't think there's been many, many where I've come off stage and felt, oh, that felt a little bit, you know, uh, not 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 quite right. I think there's maybe possibly one gig where where we was like we probably played too many new songs that weren't ready. <laughs> we, we looked at each other and went, yeah, that probably wasn't a great idea. But um, yeah. So <laughs> since then, yeah, but it's been great. I, I've really loved these gigs, and we got to play some amazing shows last year. We played at Tramlines, nice in Sheffield, which is a, a big festival. Uh, um, with uh, Kasabian playing at and Madness, uh, uh self-esteem. That was that was great. That's the biggest thing we've ever done. So, yeah, getting there, like, getting uh, there. Yeah, that's cool. a, like a really amazing thing to do. It's, I mean, it's
0: got to be, you know. I got a couple of questions just based on what you just said now. When you booked that first gig in Ken, yeah, what is that like, like, when you it's
1: it's happening now, guys, yeah. like it's going on, like, you know, you know, what it's quite funny, really, because I'd spoke to the promoter at um, Ramsgate a few times before about potential support slots, and nothing, you know, that's a back and forth bit, nothing ever happened, and then, um, about. Oh, I think two days before the life gig, he messaged me and said, oh, um, the support's pulled out. Do you want to do it? So we weren't ready to play. We we, were planning planning to play live maybe a couple of months into the future. So I just said to the boys, look, the support's come up. What do you reckon? And uh, uh, I remember our guitarist Pete saying, oh, I don't know if i feel ready. And then like, it's like, no, we'll be fine. And then we were just like, let's get into Matt's car. We'll drive up to Kent and uh, we'll just have it. And we did. <laughs> That's great. I, yeah. you know,
0: what's also fantastic about this band and you guys is, is that, you know, we talked about a lot about the working class here on this episode about and who West mm. Ham is, and that is the working class. You are still a working class band. Like, I want people to know, yeah, like, absolutely. you have day jobs. Like, you are not... Yeah. Liam and Noel, you know, hanging out, taking the piss, and going to the matches. You know, all for, you know, buying the season ticket and you know the vintage tops. But yeah. you know, like the, there is, you are still, you know, grinding it out at a regular gig and then doing this. Yeah, all doing now. our jobs,
1: all doing our jobs. Are, are, you know before and after uh, thinking? whoa, I want us at soundcheck by six o'clock, and everyone's like, "Yeah, I finish work up till that <laughs> time." Uh, it's it's hard to kind of navigate that, but we all make it work, and we all yeah. you know, we all love doing it. So it's it's special to to us, you know. Yeah. We we'd love to just keep pushing it and pushing it and more and more. People just hear about us, you know. There's never been an idea of like, oh, let's be let's get famous or let's um, you know, we've got these ideas. We we know this record was really good that we just made. And um, I think people are really going to like it. So beyond that, I've got no control over it, you know. So we make it, we put it out, and then that's what happens. Whatever happens, happens. We don't have, we don't have PR. We don't have management. It's me sending emails and bugging the life out of people, which pushing us onto shows. You know, that's how we've done it. Getting getting radio. That's that's me. We've had BBC Six Music support. We've had uh, Radio X, John Kennedy, lots and lots of support from him. You know, we've been very lucky that we've gotten to fe- big festivals and stuff, but that's that's just for us. That's for our hard work. We don't have, you know, a, 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 a festival book. We don't have any of that. So it's, it has to be just us for. You know? Yeah. And and Paul, uh, uh, at culture, War, who put our record out as well. You know, he he kind of helped us fund that, that's part enough. funded it. So yeah, it's very it's as DIY as you could you could possibly get.
0: You know. There's something that, there's something to be said for that, for sure. And one thing that I still gives me joy, whenever anyone says, Rock is dead. That yeah. I just say, look at what the Irish and the Brits are doing. Because it isn't dead. You just need no, to be so bad. You know, and and uh, there's something about the island that you come from. And yeah. the neighboring countries that just, I don't, I guess you would say I'm an Anglophile. I don't, you know, but yeah. I just, I can't thank you all enough for still picking up instruments, plugging along and playing. That's not to say that I don't love the British hip hop. That's not to say that I don't love the drum and bass and all that. I do. I love it all. Um I'm a music junkie, but in 2023 to hear fantastic rock and roll and to ha- hear bands, breaking the norm and the sound you know you have black midi you know as one yeah uh, so many just young and that's the thing everybody's yeah. young and now here yeah. you all are doing this as well and doing it on your own terms what is it like to be a rock and roller now in 2023 and what is it like for you to hit that stage and just belt it out and play and know that like look As you said, you don't want to be famous. The goal was never to be famous. Doesn't mean you don't want to be. The goal was never to be famous. But if people are hearing it and listening to it and taking to it and following you around, I mean,
1: is that like what? What? How did? What does that make you feel? You know, every single person who comes to a show, every person who like streams us, downloads, buys the vinyl, buy you know, every single person like. That, that, that means so much to us. Like every person, we had a show in Victoria yeah, in Dalston, uh, towards the end of, I mean, it messes with my head for COVID. Uh, How does it exist by the way? It's still actually 2020. Um. Yeah. I, I'm fine. It's uh, towards the end of t- 2021. I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, yeah, we had a show at, at the Victoria in Dalston and, um, you know, someone had uh, uh, come from Finland to see the gig, Oh <laughs> which was which was mad. Like I, I I I I couldn't believe that that someone would do that. Uh, um so not that, you know, every single person who comes to show it means a lot to us. You know, we're not a huge band, you know, so the more and more we can uh you know the more and more we can make connections with people, the better it is for us. You know, like we want we want to, we want to do that. Uh, um, I love playing live. I think we're a strength real strength is as a live band. The shows we've done recently have been have been our best ever shows. Like right? we no, played just- a gig in Hackney last week, a place called Folklore, where you know I just think we just hit it from the first song to last, we just don't want to come off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you gotta write more tunes, man. Uh, yeah, you know, make those like three, four-hour gigs. Uh you know, if if someone had never that is listening to this podcast now and says well, this Crosswire has band sounds interesting. This Joff dude sounds really cool. Uh, <laughs> but what is the music like to someone that has never heard you before? What, how would you describe yourself?
1: Uh it's, I think, it, you know, a lot of people obviously describe us as a punk band or post-punk or whatever they want, want to put it into. And that is, you know, we love so much punk. We love so much post-punk, but it's not solely that, you know, we've all got different interests of stuff. But I think we are uh, we're, we're we're a pop band at heart, you know, we've been writing hooks, you know, we've tried, we actively tried to like not write hooks at one point and not try to make like these kind of catchy songs. We're like, let's try to make something more like this and that. And and, and they would always just come through and we embraced it. We really embraced it on this second album. Like we, it's like, we described it as, a, you know, a dark pop rec- record. Like, okay. that's, that, yeah, that's what we see it as. And there's lots of different textures and, you know, not everything was trying to be 100 miles an hour. And let's try to, you know, let's try to make these choruses big and let's let's try to do that, you know. No. There's loads of different influences on this, which weren't just punk influences, you know. So, yeah, we, we, we try to approach this differently. I don't, we are raw when we play live. There's definitely a rawness to us. Um, Well, you know, we, we, whether that, you know, that's punk or not. And I don't know, it's, you know, it's, you know, I know he's punker uh, a sound, is it an idea, you know, is right. You well know, it's mean, like, you know, always people. been the duality
0: of it. You know, that's always been or the dilemma, not duality, but um yeah, you know, and that and that's not even a dilemma, it's something that you have folks that'll say and be like, Well, you have to dress a certain way and it has to yeah, be a no, uh, not,
1: when, but then
0: you know like Elvis Costello could is a Punk. The special punk, you know, it's like even though they were scarlet, it's still like there's a message there, there's a passion, and it's it's going against
1: the grain, and that's really what it should be. Yeah, when kids were on the on the states, you know, a start of like grime and stuff, and like, you know, handing out their like mixtapes or whatever, that's that's punk, and that's as punk as 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 you could be. So it isn't about like you have to look like this, you have to sound like this, you have to be like this, you know, like. it's it's
0: nonsense isn't it it's you know yeah because here's the thing punk is about ripping up the rules so when you start putting in too many rules then it doesn't become punk anymore no exactly (laughs) yeah it's like there's an irony there it's like well yeah all right you know okay i gotta wear like a leather jacket with spikes like okay yeah that's that's a bit bizarre but you know you listen to the music of like as you said you mentioned you mentioned the grime you know you mentioned you know the kids from the council estates you know you have like uh uh stormsy the skepta it's like what they're doing and saying is probably the most fucking punk thing happening right now yes.
1: it just completely you know it it, it, it always changes doesn't it yeah. you know like you don't you know you can't you can't keep on doing the same thing over and over again uh, forever and that's that's the only thing you that you want to do you know that no one else is allowed in like yeah, right. but you've got the same five bands being ripped off. It seems like a bit of a <laughs> bit, bit of a bizarre, doesn't it? You know, and that, it's not to say we haven't ripped bands off, because we rip everything off all the time. It's <laughs> <So, laughs> always like, yeah, it's ripped off. Uh, uh, There's a, for example, there's a, there's a song we've got called, called Pink Dogs, which is on a, a mini album we done back in 2017. Mm-hmm. And a uh, 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 drummer was like, yeah, that drums, I like completely ripped off the wrist mix. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I I couldn't make any connection to it but uh, yeah so it's you know they, they, you're ripping off things from left, right and centre but it's not you know you must rip off the clash you must rip off uh, the sex pistols you know mm. it's like it's other things isn't there you know you draw, you draw inspiration from all over the place Cool
0: Joff how can people find out about Crosswires where can they get them tunes where can they find out about shows uh, where can they get all any info
1: <laughs> yeah um so obviously we're on all the social media facebook twitter instagram uh probably most active i I think on twitter Mm. it's at crosswires band um but yeah so you can buy records from our band camp it's crosswiresbandcamp.com look it's on spotify it's on apple you can stream it and streaming's great but you know obviously nothing like buying the vinyl yeah supporting that's how we that's how we make the first album basically paid for the second album to be made. That's oh, how we really? do it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now time for a coffee break. Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from ModCup.com. ModCup, drink modern
0: coffee. Use code Mundial for 10% off your first order. This is the final part of the podcast. Uh, Rapid three fire questions. Uh, Favorite part, and seems to be everyone's favorite part, pertaining to West Ham here. If you could bring back one retired player to your club, a former player of West Ham, alive or dead, who would
1: it be and why? It would be, for me, Paolo Di Canio. Who? Okay. He is the, it, for me, he's everything I love about West Ham. Like, he played on the edge. Uh, he, you know, he was unpredictable, so skillful, uh, mad. <laughs> He's just so. I loved watching him. We got that, that seat, his first full season at West Ham, where he scored like 19 goals. Uh, I think it was 19. Uh, he was. I'd go to games thinking, I just can't wait to see him play. I can't. We had a great team that 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 season as well. Joe Cole, uh, Carrick, um, S- S- Trevor Sinclair. Uh, um, but he was just unbelievable. It's just, you know, just, I, 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 lo- I love him. I, I love everything about him. He was mad and just just brilliant to watch. Sure. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean,
1: that's a name you don't hear often. As soon as you see, I said, know people. Every, every image expect, came out. People expect, you know, Bobby Moore. You say Bobby Moore. But I've never seen Bobby Moore play. So, of course, he's so important in that history. And he's our greatest ever player. Um, but, you know, I don't have the connection as much because i didn't see him play i've just heard i've seen obviously footage of him play and you know her stories my my brother's uh father-in-law's a huge restaurant He's seen literally every thing we've ever won so um you know i hear stories from him and, it, and it's great but you know you i don't have that connection so it can be great
0: uh money is not an option You've got more money than PSG and more money than Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, if your club could sign one player today, one active player, who would it be and why?
1: Oh, that is really a hard, hard question. I'm trying to think of it like really, like in a bo- really boring way. Like, oh, we need a left back, right? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna do that. That sounds really ludicrous. Uh oh, any any player. I mean, it, 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 people are going to well, save stuff like Messi and stuff, wouldn't they? But that just seems like really lazy. I don't know. Oh. You know what? Maybe Harry Kane, because we could just take him off Tottenham. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a defence mechanism. I love not even for the other. <laughs> yeah, them singing one of their, he's one of their own and he was wearing a West Ham shirt would be like, brilliant. Maybe him. <laughs> all right. All right. I like it. I like it. Um <laughs> uh,
0: and finally, what has been your favourite moment as a fan?
1: Uh, oh, my favourite—it's—it's it's really different because I've got loads of different memories attached to the club and the uh, playoff semi-final at home in what season was it? Two thousand and four. We end up losing the final to Crystal Palace, but we played Ipswich, at, and we'd lost the first leg. And um, Alan Pardew was manager, and he said to everyone, "I really want to make the, the, the ground buzz in." Everyone just wear claret and blue and stuff, and make a load of noise. And um, I remember being there. My brother and um, my brother's wife's sister was at that game, and uh, unfortunately, she sadly passed away really young. Mm. And um, it, just us together like that. That the buzz of that game, it was stared me forever. The noise when West Ham walked out was like getting hit with just, uh, you know, pure electricity. It was, you know, although we, we ended up losing that playoff final, but that, that, the noise when um the, the second Christian, the Christian Daly goal went in, was we, we stand me forever. The, also, another playoff uh, final the playoff final when we, uh, the first time West Ham had been at Wembley since, you know, the eighties, we beat Blackpool to get promoted back to the Premier League. And the first time I've seen West Ham at Wembley, and, uh, I don't think I've ever been so drunk as that day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, I remember getting in and it, uh, my, I can't remember much about it. My girlfriend told me I tried to take a Dr. Martin boot off for about an hour and she just ended up leaving me. To... <laughs> uh and the Sevilla game, which I've already mentioned, in Europa League was, was amazing. So, yeah, them, them, they, they really – there is loads and loads and loads, but they, they, they will stay with me.
0: Those are the standouts. I love it. I love it, man. Geoff Chapman, thank you so much. The band is Crosswires. Go check them out. And I hope to see you in New York soon. I hope to see the band. Uh, Let, dream, let's man. get some bookings going. Come yeah. on now.
1: Yeah, it would be a dream. If anyone wants to get us out there, yeah, that would be a dream.
0: Well, you know we're checking you out. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for doing this.
1: My pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Come on, your irons. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.